This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of Backstage with Burgoyne and Brage. I am John Brazier. I am in Clearwater, Florida, and in Philadelphia, not so sunny Philadelphia, is my co-host, Tom Burgoyne. How you doing, Tom? John, you call that an open? <laughs> well, well, well I, you know, usually I, I usually put a little bit more umph into it, but uh, okay, you know. Yeah, but I'm, ah, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm sitting here, Tom, next to like the most chill guy in the world, Ricky Jordan, so I'm trying to be cool. I don't want to be over-enthusiastic, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, you're with Ricky. John, you're killing me, first of all, that you're down there, I'm up here. I know how much fun fantasy camp, I mean... It's always a blast. I know you go every year. I don't go every year. I've been down there a couple times. Uh, so it's kind of killing me. And uh, But I'm glad we're keeping the podcast alive. This is a great idea by you. You brought the equipment down there, uh, knowing that, you know, we've got some, uh, you know, some guys always get together this time of year. So uh, this is great. Can't wait to talk to Ricky and you guys. Well, and Ricky's a big part of this, been a big part of Fantasy Cam. Let's welcome him in. Ricky, how you doing? Good, doing good. How you doing, Brace? Tom, how's it going, buddy? Doing good, Ricky. You know, he's complaining, Ricky, and little did you know that uh, that we're down in sunny Clearwater, which it is actually nice out today, uh, but Tom just got back from Punta Cana, Dominican Republic, so I'm not feeling too sorry for Tom Burgoyne. Yeah, so he's enjoyed some good weather over there then, so he can't be complaining, oh. but I did, I did hear it was pretty cold up there, uh, up on the East Coast, up there, up high, up there, probably 12 degrees or so, I heard, maybe. Actually, even lower. I, I, I took my daughter skiing last weekend, and it was freezing. Wow. Yeah, so not good. So, Tom, as you know, we interviewed Ricky uh, at the Darren Dalton event. We had an unbelievable interview. Uh, it was yeah, We got into everything. Uh, even if we didn't, I'm, I, nobody will know the difference because the interview got erased when we had a we had a power outage at Huntington Valley Golf Course, and you know they like somehow we got Dave Holland's interview in there, but Ricky didn't. So this is a this is a part two. So he has an inside advantage. He's already said, "Are you going to ask the same questions on the quiz?" And you know what, Tom, I mixed it up a little bit. So you know, I think <laughs> I have no uh, idea. What, throw- I have no idea what I did yesterday. So how do I know if I mixed it up? <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be throwing it for a loop. All right, yeah, Ricky. That's uh, you know, I know we were we saw you at Darren Dalton, and you know uh, the darn electricity. I always blame John whenever there's a technical problem with one of our podcasts, but it turns out it was more of a uh, an electrical issue we had no control over. So we appreciate you coming back on with us. I'm glad to be back again. Uh, yeah, that was that was kind of weird though that it just kicked out of there and then came right back. But uh, I'm glad yeah. to be back on here with you guys, Tom. Well, let's let's talk about Fantasy Camp, Ricky. You're a big part of it now. For those that don't know, Fantasy Camp is uh, usually around this time, around the third week of January. It's down in Clearwater. It's for five days. Uh, you stay at the Marriott uh, San Key, and you get a uniform, you get a locker, you get on a team, and each team has two legends. So we have 10 teams, so there's 20 legends. And there's – well, Ricky, tell, tell who are all the legends that – and it must be fun for you to see all these guys. Talk about some of the legends that are down here. 
Well, of course, you have John Cruck down here, Mickey Morandini. That commish. Milt Thompson. Von Hayes comes. Uh, Dave Hollins. I mean, there's quite a few of them down here. Chris Mar- Coast. Chris uh, Coast, Mariano. And it looks like we got uh, two new, new guy, ones. Randy, Randy Wolf. Wolfie, and yeah. And I'm not sure of the other one. Uh, you got uh, – well, you got – do you remember who's smashing the center field? With his, with his oh, face? Oh, uh, Aaron Rowan. Aaron Rowan, yes. Aaron so Rowan got, is yeah, new this couple, year. A couple new young guys down, which yeah. will help out on the Sunday game because uh, some of us are getting pretty old. Yeah, because all the campers will play against the legends. Uh, yep. And uh, so who are you, you – now, this is uh, on a more of a uh, sad moment is that I know you were – they always pair a legend together. And for many years, you were paired with Real Cormier. And unfortunately, Real passed away last March. And uh, I know we're going to honor him. This year down here, uh, what was – talk about Real Cormier. Yeah, what a great guy. I mean, the first couple of years he came down here, I was paired with him, and then they changed this up. I think Matt Stairs came down, and they put those two together because they're yep. both French-Canadian, yeah. which is great. You know I mean? It was great. Uh, but being with uh, Real the first couple of years was awesome. I mean, what a great family guy. Uh, love the game. Good person. You know yeah, what wicked I mean? sense of humor, too. Yeah, he, oh. he's, he's somewhat quiet, but, but he had a – he, you know, he, yeah. he could get you with the he best can, of them. Yeah, and he could be funny, too, and he could be serious. But we talked a lot about his family. So yep. uh, he was really, you know, into his family. He come down for this, but then he, he was skiing a lot. He did a lot of things. Great, great guy. I mean, it's just unfortunate that um, yep. that happened to him. I didn't even really know that he was sick. You know, I, mean, I don't think t- he told a lot of people. Time, you know, think, and he looked you know always I mean? so, so healthy, and he oh, ate yeah. healthy. And, and I tell you, he's one of the most – I mean, you, obviously to make it to the major league level, you guys all have to be phenomenal – athletes real kind of took it to another level he was i don't know if you knew this or not but he was a badminton champion he grew up in new brunswick uh province he was a badminton champion when he was a teenager so then he becomes a scratch golfer as you said skier he moves out to park city becomes a expert skier it's almost like he's one of these guys that no matter what he tries he's an expert at yeah it was it's unbelievable because Actually, I guess he was a great uh, hockey player when he was growing up. Oh, was that him right? And, him well, and, I know uh, Matt played. I, I actually played, played with I think, Matt, I think so they, I saw him on skates. Yeah, yeah, they both played. Okay. So it's, it's unreal that uh, it's crazy that all the things he could do, you know, yeah. and then end up being a major league baseball pitcher. You know, what I mean, it's kind of it's kind of weird. But if you look at him, he doesn't strike you as that athletic type guy. But I mean, the guy was a good pitcher. He could pitch and he could play. But to be able to do all those different things, yeah. you got to be athletic. You know who else is a really good ice hockey player? He's down here, Jim Eisenreich. Jim Eisenreich grew up in Minnesota, I believe, oh. and he was a very good ice hockey player. Didn't in fact, that. he thought about, you know, taking that maybe hockey as a career as opposed to baseball. Wow, I didn't know that, yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Ricky, I have a question. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, you're getting old. You don't look it, by the way. We, you know, uh, seen it back in October. Uh, by like the way, Tom, he's, still, he's uh, our age, just to let you know. <laughs> We're all, the, <laughs> yeah, we yeah, all graduated the same year. <laughs> but for but from a playing baseball standpoint, you know, you go down there and you're expected to play, uh, you know, baseball four days in a row or so. And so, uh, is that tough for you? And how have you backed off? Like, do you, do you play every day? Do you uh, not throw as much? Um, you know, how have you kind of uh, paced yourself down there so you're not pulling a, a hamstring every day? Well, actually, down here, Tom, we the first three or four days we just kind of coach and and maybe throw a little BP. And then we only play on Sunday. But uh, yeah. sometimes uh, that Sunday game is starting to be challenging, too. And it's more like you said, it's hamstring for me because I do a little bit of stuff at home, ride bike riding and play a little softball with my son and them. But it's always hamstring because this baseball stuff's a whole different twitch with, with 90-foot bases and all this stuff. So 
I try to just keep my legs together and uh, know my limitations out there on Sunday. Hey, Tom, I got to tell you, his uh, he did have one injury one year. Uh, he had to actually go to the hospital for nothing serious, but it was uh, he had to go to the hospital. And thanks to that, I was basically hanging out with that team because uh, Governor Rendell was on his team. It was Real and, and Ricky. And, uh, and next thing you know, I had to be put into emergency coaching service. And then that, then they started losing players. So then I had to become into emergency playing service. And uh, I haven't played baseball since Little League. So uh, <laughs> thanks to Ricky, you know, I, I basically – I think I hurt my rotator cuff, which hurt me for about – you know, about, took me about a year to recover from. <laughs> hey, do you, guys, do you guys use signs? Like are there uh, steals and, you know, takes and, you know, bunts? And is, are there signs going on down there? No, they don't do any signs. And you're not allowed to uh, steal. So okay, and uh, I gotta say, JB filled in pretty good for me as a coach and as a player out there for us. He did Thanks, pretty Ricky. good. He did pretty good for us. A lot of pressure, Tom. I gotta tell you, you got Charlie Manuel sitting behind home plate going, "Bridging, better not strike out." Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a soft thrower thrown to me, and I said, "I, I, Tom, I was never so happy to pop up. All I want to do is not strike out because I would never yeah, hear the end contact. of it. I would never hear for the end of it from Big Chuck." So, and he's down here too. It's just, it's just so much fun down here. Michael Rouse, you know, who puts, uh, from ESF, puts together an unbelievable camp. Uh, I've got three of my buddies from, uh, from manufacturers that are down here. Uh, we have a lot. And the beauty of it, Tom, is that I think about 55% are guys that come back. And there's a lot of guys that come back every year. Then you have, obviously, 45% are rookies. And they come from all walks of life. You have CEOs and doctors and lawyers. But then you have the blue-collar guys that basically save up their money and come down here. It's their big vacation. Um, everyone, you know, when they get on the field or get down here, it's all they're all one family. And there's Kenny Well, the one family, yeah. And, John, what I think is cool about it is, you know, you're treated like a ball player the minute you walk in the door. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you know, how to dress, how to, you know, prepare. And, uh, and I know, Ricky, you've been involved in uh, – you know, part of the fun down there, uh, not only do you get a chance to, you know, when you're a camper, hang out with the players, you know, afterwards and maybe have a, a cocktail or two. But uh, I know the kangaroo court's a big thing, and uh, I know you've been involved in that too. Yep. Go ahead, Ricky. Yeah, the <laughs> tell, can, tell them your role. Kangaroo court is great. I mean, every now and then, uh, I think one day out of the whole time we're here, I get to be a judge up there with uh, Crucker and Mickey. And it's, it's great. I mean, John Crook's the best. You know, him and Mickey, they, they're the best up there. And it's just a great experience because uh, a lot of people, you know, they, they get them for certain type of things that go on, going on down here. Yeah, to so. explain that those that don't know Kangaroo Court, what it is is in the morning, first thing in the morning, everyone gets their coffee and they go up uh, in their uniform and they sit under a tent and there's a judge's bench and there's three judges and they have the old uh, barrister robes and the barrister wigs. And it's usually John Crook or Ricky or Mickey or – uh, Scott Ayer or somebody, um, and they're the judges. And so um, who's the defender? Uh, oh, Randy Reddy. Randy, Randy Reddy. Reddy is the defender. And so, yes, somebody will be caught up, called up to kangaroo court for a violation either on the field. They might have you know, tripped over and did like four somersaults, or they might have you know, banged into a fence on a – or they might have you know, stumbled coming home. Or most of the times it's off the field when they say something completely ridiculous, outrageous – they do so, you know. They wear their uniform out to dinner in Clearwater or something that's, you know, egregious, <laughs> and they get busted on it. So then, you know, uh, Ricky is sometimes come in to uh, defend them, right? 
Correct. Or or they might call me Milt Thompson instead of Ricky Jordan. You know what I mean? Sometimes that happens someone, too. So. Yes, yeah, someone, someone – Oh, got, that's a violation. Well, that, and they were brought up to kangaroo court, and they, they were basically eviscerated for about 10 minutes, right? Correct, correct. Yeah, and we listen to all, all the evidence and everything, you know, and Randy Reddy – Kind of defends them, and sometimes uh, he might say, "Up, oh, I can't defend it." You know, I got, I got, I got nothing. You know, what I mean, he might not defend it, but it comes up to the judges' table, and we go over it. And Mickey, you know, he finds them uh, five dollars or ten dollars, mm-hmm. or they'll get off, or you know, somehow. So it's it's pretty fun. It's real fun. I think their families and everybody enjoys it, enjoys it, and is part of uh, just having a good time at the camp, taking a, taking a little bit away from the baseball edge. Tom, you know what the best part of, of camp is? And I'll give you a perfect example. So last night we were uh, hanging out outside in the hotel, and Tommy Green was telling like six, seven guys, and they're hanging on every word, and he's talking about, you know, coming up in the Braves system, and they were asking him what, what was Greg Maddox like, what, what made him so good. You know, Mickey was over there, and Mickey's talking about how he had, you know, how he could hit Greg Maddox. And then he was talking about certain pitchers that he, he couldn't hit, like you know, some guys that didn't have great – track records but he just for some reason you know and that's where i think the beauty of fantasy camps is these guys get to yeah. ask questions to these guys that they've always wanted to ask you know and, and talk about talk to scott air about pitching in the world series or you know talking to ricky about all the you know the, you know here's a guy that his first moment uh in the major leagues right you hit a home run so uh i mean just again you go you can go back in history and you, you're almost these 75 year old guys are like you know uh little kids asking questions to these guys so it's a lot of fun Awesome. Awesome. I got to get down there next year, John. Coming down. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, let's talk about Ricky's. Uh, Ricky, let's go back into your history. So I know you grew up in the Sacramento area, correct? Correct. Uh, and we, when you were younger, you were adopted, right? Uh, and that became your family. Correct. Talk talk about your childhood and then how you got into baseball. Well, uh, I was born in California in the Richmond area and uh, ended up being adopted by a, a, a young lady by the name of Alice Neal. She was from Louisiana, and uh, we moved to Sacramento. And I ended up living in Sacramento, playing basketball, baseball, football, everything there. But from from day one, when I was six years old, I started playing all kind of sports. You know, I mean, she got me involved in all kind of sports. We didn't have much money, so she just let me go play. And then there was always that coach that kind of, you know, look after me, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, being that, being that I was a good athlete. And then I knew I had some mentors, too, in the neighborhood that would take care of me so I wouldn't get into trouble with the other the other group, you know what I mean. So, But um, ended up going to high school at Grand High and, and playing basketball, football, and baseball there and getting drafted out of there by the Phillies in the first round in 1983. Did you think about other sports? Could you have, could you have thought about going to a next level in basketball or football? I actually had a scholarship to go to Arizona State to play baseball and basketball. Hmm. And I really loved basketball. I actually thought I was going to be an NBA player, hmm. but uh, you a guard, like a tall guard. I was or? a swing a swing guard forward at 6'3", okay. and they go that that's not, you know, at the next level, that yeah. doesn't cut it. You need to dribble more, shoot more. You're, you're a point guard, basically. 
But um, a funny thing happened to me. My my sophomore going into junior year playing basketball, I was playing against Kevin Johnson, who used to be the yeah. mayor and the point guard for the Phoenix Suns. And uh, I got a breakaway, went down to go up and, and dunk the basketball, jumped up in the air and my and, and fell out of the air, just fell out of the air almost like somebody had shot me. And fell, fell down, and my leg had broke right below my knee. Hmm. I had Oscar Slaughter. I grew too fast. I grew seven inches over one summer. Wow. So bone hadn't uh, fully developed. Fully developed. Yep. So ended up breaking my leg, came back and played again the next year, but the legs started bothering me a lot, running on the hardwood, playing football. So I got away from those two sports, and I think that's what made me concentrate more on baseball. Hmm. Yeah, and then Ricky, you you mentioned you got drafted in '83. Phillies are coming off the uh, the championship season that year. You know, coming from California, did you know anything about Philadelphia? Did you know anything about the team? Uh, yes, I did because actually Larry Boa, who is from the Sacramento area, I used to follow him. You know, he went to McClatchy out there, so I'd follow him a lot. And of course, I knew Mike Smith. I mean, Mike Smith was one of my favorite players. Him and him and Reggie Jackson and, and Hank, Vuk Hank wasn't Aaron. Vuk from Sacramento and too. Vuk was from there too. Yeah. yeah. I knew more about Boa because a lot of the people, the coaches that coached me, they knew Larry Boa because they played against him. And they go, he's the feistiest little thing. They go, yeah, we can't believe this little gnat. Nat made yeah. it. I said, hey, man, he loved the game. That's what helped him make it too. He had talent, but he also loved the game, and he was willing to work at yeah. it. You know what I mean? That's how you get there. You well, know Tom, I mean? you know the infamous story. We had Larry Boa on our podcast, and I'm sure you'd probably know it too. When, they, when the Philly scout went out to California to watch Boa, he got caught, tossed out of both games of the doubleheader. And so the right. scout came back, and they, and they, they said, well, how was that kid, Larry Boa? Uh, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Didn't you go out there to see him? Well, yeah, but he got kicked out of both games of the doubleheader, <laughs> right? <laughs> it sounds like Larry probably had a little bit of influence. Maybe uh, maybe you know, he was talking to uh, some people at the Phillies thinking that you'd be a, a great prospect. I, I would think so. Eddie Bachman was the scout out there at the time that, that signed me, and, and also – Bill Robinson, who used to play with the yeah. Pirates, he was oh, sure. he was scouting and doing little things for the Phillies. So he actually he actually came out to my house in Del Paso Heights and talked with me and my guardian. And uh, he was talking about, hey, yeah, they're they're interested. This is before anything happened. They're interested in signing you for this this you know to play whatever. And of course, my guardian, you know, she's from Louisiana, old school. She goes, what? They ain't gonna pay this kid money to play play baseball. I mean, they do that all the time around here. So she was going, "Nah, something's wrong with this." You know what I mean? So, mm. but um, Boa, I, w I would think Boa and all of them talked about it. You know, Boa knows the Sacramento area. We've had quite a few ball players come out of there and mm -hmm. make it to the major leagues. So I would think he'd had some input on it. But I mean, I I I had understood about the Phillies organization. I I loved the organization. I mean, I heard about it a lot. I followed baseball a lot as a kid. You know, uh, we would always watch Saturday baseball games and twibs and all that. You know, you had everything back then. You could watch it. So I kind of watched a lot of baseball on TV. Yeah, nice. And uh, you know, John mentioned it earlier. You had a memorable uh, first at bat, official at bat in 1988. That was your debut. Uh, what what do you remember from? from your first at bat? Not uh, your first plate appearance, your first at bat. Well, yeah. actually, actually that, that first game up there, I remember talking to Mike Smith about it because um, that game that I started, Bob Nepper was pitching, and Mike Smith had talked to me the game before because Nolan Ryan threw the, the game. The first game I was there, Nolan Ryan threw, and Lee Ely and them said, we're not going to break in like this kid. And I was like, no, I want to play because I had heard Will, uh, Will Clark had hit a home run 
off Nolan Ryan with his first at bat. So I go, well, man, I could do it too. And Lee Elias says, no, nah, I'm not going to break in like that. So, of course, Nolan Ryan strikes out 16 that day. He goes about eight innings, and him and Mike Smith are arguing at each other about the fight out. I go, ooh, man, I'm glad I didn't mm. play today. So <laughs> so here comes the next day. Bob Nepper's going to be pitching. By the my- way, you're one for one in your quiz already because that was part of the quiz. You're on your way. That's great. <laughs> and, and so, so Smitty's talking to me about Bob Nepper the next day. He's telling me exactly how this guy pitches. He goes, he's going to pitch you kind of like me because they, they think you got power. You're a first baseman, and he's going – going to do everything like that to you and, and I said okay so actually the first plate appearance I get up there and he, he's he's kind of nibbling just like Smith said he would nibble with a change curveball here fastball here he's nibbling and he walks me for first plate appearance so then I come up for the first official one and he throws the same sequence it was a fastball away change up and then he throws a curveball and I was waiting on it. I mean I gotta say I was waiting on it. He hung it right there and I just belted it to to deep left for a three run homer. And I tell you, that was quite an experience. I was floating around mm. the bases. I mean it was amazing. And Schmidt must have been proud too, because he basically kind of told you the, the game plan, right? Yeah, he was. I came back and sat down on the bench and he came over and gave me that pat on the shoulder, yeah. you know, like Good job. Well done, son. son. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? I just <laughs> I loved it. I was like but I'm sitting there like going, did I really just do that? Yeah. You know, and I want to tell you a little thing. After the game, they had me put up at the Best Western over by uh, the hotel. So, of course, I, you know, got a cab to the yard and everything. So, after the game, Smitty goes, meet me out here, you know, go through this room and this room and come down out of the boiler room and this room and my car sitting over here, you know what I mean, because mm. he never had his car in that lot. So, I do all this stuff, go through everything, and I come out and there's this black BMW sitting over there. Get in the car with him, and I'm going, holy cow, this is nice. Drives me over to the Best Western and says, good job tonight. Drops me off. I'm walking in the hotel, and people are watching on the TV. The sports were on, and it showed me, and I mm. went, holy cow. You know, nobody really knew me. Yeah. You know I mean, I'm walking through, and I look and see that, and I, and I go, man, that's amazing. It was just a blessing, you know, to mm. see that. I said, man, that's actually me. I, I, I finally made it up here, you know. Thank you, Lord. You know, that's what yeah. I said, so. That's great. And and just, you know, and, uh, Tom, if we can even go forward to that 93, you know, we always go to the 93 season, uh, and a lot of the guys are down here, right? You've got a lot of your teammates, uh, Tommy Green, obviously we mentioned, and Izzy and Milt, uh, Mariano. Crocker, yeah. Uh, Crocker, yep. So, uh, I mean, w- what was that like? I mean, yeah, at this point now you've been in the leagues for a little while, and right? And you got that, and you're – I always we, we were talking last night. It's you, Mickey, Kevin Stocker, and Jim Eisenreich were the four nor- – well, I didn't know Tommy at the time. Tommy was intimidating because of his size. But And I'll throw Tommy in there now with maybe the four or five normal people on that team. Exactly. I mean, it was so many throwbacks and difference on that team. But uh, we were probably the only five that were normal. You had your own little row down there. Mickey was actually in that row, yeah. and he was a normal guy right, down right. there. But uh, what a great season. I mean, after being with the Phillies for so long and then losing all the time, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, here comes 93 – you know how baseball is. It's so unpredictable. One year you could be dead in the, in the water, and next year you're on top like we were. So uh, just a great year, great experience. Darren leading us the whole way, you know, on and off the field, and everybody just playing so well. So many different things happening, mm-hmm. that, you know, in that season. I mean, guys hitting grand slams off Lee Smith late in the game. Thompson jumping up over fences, catching balls, and he's probably, what, five foot ten. You know what I mean? He reaches over fences, but – 
just a lot. And Mickey with double plays, just so many things worked out for us that year. And it, it was just a great, unbelievable year. Never, never forget that year. I mean, I wish we could have, could have took the whole thing, but it was great to, uh, to get into the series that year. Yeah. And, and Ricky, the, uh, you know, it all started, and we talked about this on the podcast before, but I, I just think it's uh, so cool in that it really did start that season in spring training. And uh, a big part of that was, uh, you know, Dave Hollins' edict to the team. You know, he had gotten hit more than any other player the season before, uh, and he really laid the gauntlet down with our pitchers saying, listen, you know, if you don't start protecting me, I'm coming after you. And, uh, you know, Tommy Green plunked uh, somebody in uh, – in um, you know, in uh, in spring training that year, and then you, you got plunked. I guess it was the St. Louis game, and uh, that started a bench clearing brawl, right? But you were kind of in the middle of that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm a pretty easygoing guy, you know. I was just out there to have some fun and play baseball, and uh, <laughs> Dave, Dave, uh, Dave put a warning out to the pitchers because he got hit a lot. He got hit quite a bit, and he says, "Hey, if you guys don't start protecting us." I'm going to come after you guys. And next thing you know, that changed the whole attitude. I mean, but then you had Kurt Schilling, who had a little attitude. He kind of stepped in there and DJ too. And they said, hey, we don't care how we play. We're going to start protecting guys and getting a little get a little edge to us and let these teams know that they're not going to just run over us when we come in just because we've, you know, lost so many games in the past. You know, and I think that's what happens. Uh, a lot of teams think because you're a loser, they can come in and just, just beat over you any kind of way they want. You know what I mean? And I think that really set the tone in spring training to uh, let them know that, hey, we're coming after people this year. And uh, like you said, uh, they hit some people. I got hit. I think Wes got hit. A couple people got hit before me. And actually, then they hit me. And I just said, okay, if nobody's going to do anything, I'm going. And I charged the mound. You know what I mean? I said, that kind of set the tone. You know what I mean? When, when you got guys telling you, hey, we're going to be tough this year. I thought I think it, it came into everybody, and it, and it got to me, you know, as a as a nice guy, and I just charged him out. Yeah, and and Ricky, just the chemistry on that team. I mean, you know, that, something like that happens, and then you know, spring training, and then you know, throughout the season, you know, it's kind of legendary how uh, you know guys would hang out after the game in the trainers' room, uh, you know, till the wee hours in the morning, just talking about the game, uh, and just you guys really bonded as a group. What do you think was the reason you guys all bonded the way you did? Well, I think it start it started with 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 Darren. You know, what I mean, wanting to uh, actually win. You know, what I mean, he had he's been around the Phillies for a long time, and he I think they won early when he first came up. You know what I mean? But after that, it was you're just laughing stock. You know, what I mean, the league laughed at you when they came in there. And I think he he just wanted he was tired of getting bullied and wanted everybody to focus a little more on the game because he he realized. That we had the talent in that clubhouse to compete in that East, in the East against the Mets and uh, probably the Cardinals, you know what I mean? He knew we could compete, and I think he wanted us to get a little more focused on the game too and realize, you know, hey, if you make this mistake, let's try not to make it next, you know, the next night or so, you know. But let's, And if you're going to make a mistake, let's get in there and dig in there and be dirty about it. And, hey, if it happens, it happens because baseball, you're going to make mistakes, you know, it's part of mistakes. But I think – I think with him, after the game in the, in, in the um, locker room and going into the training room with Cruck and all of them, everybody come in and have a beer. I mean, they had everybody in there. You know what I mean? It was a, a big-time uh, thing for all of us to join together and, and come together. 
This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. But you guys really were a team because, you know, in any championship team, you know, whether it's the 2008 Phillies or, you know, going to any other sport, every player on that roster has to contribute. And you have to have guys come up from the minor leagues, you know, that, that contribute. So, and you guys especially, you know, you guys had so many players that were in the platoon roles or, you know, in, on bench roles that were, were, you know, integral part of that success, right? You included. I mean, yeah. there was, you know, when you had West Chamberlain and you had, you know, Mariana Duncan and you had, you know, Kim Batiste and there's so many different people that really played key roles on that team. Yeah, yeah, and that's true, John. Everybody kind of had a role, and, and they did their role real well. You know what I mean? They, they, they participated in everything that went on out there and also worked hard at the, at the game and knew their role and was ready when, when, it, when it came time for them to step in. They were ready to go. So, uh, and uh, just, just good relationships and, I mean, and just working at it, you know, knowing – knowing what's going on out there at all times, knowing that you might have to step in because we had injuries to certain people that year, and people stepped in and did the job. And then you had, you had Fergosi and you had Johnny Padres, and, I mean, that, that, that coaching staff was old school, Vuk and Boa, and, right? I mean, that was – you had Menke, right? Was Menke the yes, coach, right? Yes, Menke, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you had some old school guys. I mean, you know, to me as a young PR guy, I was in, in 94, I was completely intimidated by – not only the guys and the players, but the coaches, including the trainer, including the yeah. clubhouse guys. So. Yeah, those guys, they take it back to the old school days, yeah. you know what I mean? And that's kind of the way they were teaching it. They were already gritty anyway, and they were yeah. trying to get us to get a little tougher out there, you know what I mean? But they put it on us and, and then put it on Dalton. And yeah. Dalton transferred it all to us because he was the leader, you know what I mean? So, but, yeah, those are great coaches. And I think Mel Roberts actually might have coached first base one year with us, if, if I remember. And I think it might have been that year he got up there. Just one year. He had been in the minor leagues for a long time mm-hmm. coaching, and he finally got yeah. up there. But that staff, awesome staff, willing to work with you on anything when you were struggling with anything. They'd show up early, work with you. There was a lot of things I wanted to work on. You know, I wasn't hitting at one time and went through some little fielding things. You know, and Bull would always come out and hit ground balls at me, him and Vuk. You got to get better at this if you want to play more. You know what I mean? Play on the defensive side more. We know you can hit. But defensively, you gotta you gotta play better. You gotta play better, or, or John's not gonna have you out there in critical situations. He's gotta take you off the field. You know what I mean? So, which is so different from how they're living. teaching kids now. You know, the tough love aspect is gone, and now it's kid gloves and, you know, come on, you know, the cheerleader type. Exactly. Yeah, they just they just baby them up. You know what I mean? And and nothing. You know, I don't want to be critical, but it, it's totally different now. I mean, they can they can kind of do what they want to do. You know what I mean? There's no no remorse or anything for it, you know what I mean? They, they kind of go out there, play, hey, okay, so what? You know, if this happens, it happens. But um, it's just a different year with them, though. Yeah. And, uh, and Ricky, I mean, the postseason, uh, obviously the party in Pittsburgh and then another party in Philly after uh, we clinched against Atlanta and then going to Toronto. Any specific memories about, uh, you know, what that postseason experience is like? It was, it was awesome. I remember in Pittsburgh, yeah, because I was actually – on the bench that night, and I just remember, and I can't think of the pitcher's name. I'm try- I could picture his face, 
but I can't get the name. They caught. So I should have had that as a quiz question. Caught, yeah, <laughs> caught the last, caught that ball and threw it over to Crucker in, in in Pittsburgh when we clinched. And I'm I'm looking. Oh, Roger Mason. No, Roger Mason. No, no, no. Wasn't I think it was a uh, man. I'm looking at his. I'm looking at his face. Give me another right hander. It just he came over out of nowhere, throwing. Um, I can't think of his name. Came over out of somewhere. Man, who was this guy? He threw a split or whatever. But I think the, it was a ground ball back uh, to him, and he threw over to Kruk that night yeah. in Pittsburgh and clinched and we all went out. I mean, and it was crazy in the clubhouse. You know what I mean? We were, we were ecstatic mm. about that. And, you know, here we are knowing that we got to go on and play the Braves, but so what? We were like, bring them on. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, I remember to move a little forward playing the Braves. I remember when they had to come to us because we had won it, you know, so they had to come to us. And I know we won the first game, and I think – the second game, they might have beat us. And I remember Ron Gann or somebody saying something to us, saying, well, uh, you Philly fans, say goodbye to your team because they mm. won't be back here because it was three going back yeah. to Atlanta. You yeah. know what I mean? They were saying they were going to sweep us over there. And I just remember that. That was one thing that stuck out in my mind. And then once we came back and beat them, I was just so happy to, 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 to show them that, hey, this is what happens to you when you talk that trash, you know. That's great. Uh, you know, they were they were labeled, you know, the uh, America's team. And, you know, we were America's, you know, uh, most wanted. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, know. You know, the, the way the national media played up that team was just uh, awesome. You know, Kruk going on Letterman. And, you know, it was it was unbelievable. I don't know if there'll ever be another team like it. Hey, Ricky, I think I have the guy who made that last out. Was it Don Paul? You got it. That's wow, it. Look at you. you got it. I knew. I, I just kept. I could picture the face, but the name was just so different that I couldn't remember it. That's who it was. Well, then, Ricky, you also had you know the legendary. Not he's not on the team. Wasn't a coach, but he was part of your team in every aspect. Harry the K. What was your relationship with Harry the K? Oh man, you talking about unbelievable. This guy. I mean. First of all, as the announcer, I mean, one of the greatest there was. You know what I mean? Everybody knew Harry Kay from I don't care what where yeah. you where you were from, you know. But, but overall with him, I mean, one of the nicest guys to me. I mean, I just loved his calls. When he, I still got video of hitting home runs with him calling yeah. my home runs and stuff and just listening to him, man. What, what a great guy. Did he have mean, a nickname for you or was it just – I can just picture him saying Ricky Jordan. That's that's how he said it. He right. didn't have any nicknames for me. He, but he, that's what he would say though. Yeah. Yeah. It was he was great. Wow. I mean, unbelievable guy. Never never forget that guy. I mean, how can you? You know, I mean everybody loved him. I mean, he did everything. He did your eagle stuff. He did all kind of other stuff too, you know. So great guy, great voice. Um, unbelievable guy. Well, I, I, and when I think of Pittsburgh too, Ricky, uh, there's the uh, highlight film where they show Harry, you know, leading everybody in high hopes in yeah, the uh, yeah. in the trainer's room, and it's just priceless video, you know. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that, and, and Ricky, you said you said he had, you had a great voice. He had a great uh, broadcasting voice. I, I'm not so sure about singing voice, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. With, I, agree I agree with you on that. Hey, I went to Lefty O'Doul's in San Francisco and saw him sing many uh, oh, yeah. songs at that piano, and pretty good. Although I guess my Madeline. My, I might have been uh, – my brain might have been a little mixed up while I was listening to him, but he sounded good yeah, at the time. Yeah, everything sounded good at that point. <laughs> right, yeah. right. All right, John, is it, are you are you going to administer the quiz that you gave uh, Ricky about well, three months ago? Or I was, I was <laughs> di- putting together the quiz, and I knew Ricky – I knew I had given Ricky a quiz, and I like to ask similar questions, but I, 
I tried to go different, but again, the way my brain works, I can't remember what I, what I asked in the first time. So I don't know if I'm going to have uh, repeat questions. But as I mentioned earlier, he's already one for one because he got the, you know, the Bob Nepper. I, th- I threw that one in there. And then, which sometimes happens in the, uh, in the course of the interview, they, they, they uh, answer one of the questions with not knowing it. So, uh, but Ricky, uh, are you ready? I'm ready, JB. All right. We got eight questions. As you know, multiple choice. The bar is six. You already have one, so you really need to get five. Uh, Tom, what does he win? A free trip to Florida. <laughs> a free trip to Florida, right. And you get to play some baseball, Sounds put on good. a uniform, <laughs> and hang out with John Brazier. How about that? Sounds good. And Looking by the way, before we get into the quiz, what, what was your relationship with the Fanatic? We never had, talked about that. Um, kind of minimal, but, I mean, I loved him out there. He'd come over and do a little things to me every now and then when I was out on the field, but uh, I love I loved the Fanatic. I mean, great guy. I mean, everything he did was was crazy. I always loved the Lasorda stuff. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah. Him and Tommy Lasorda <laughs> used to just, oh, man, that was so funny to watch Tommy come running out there and chase him. And that was real anger. Yeah, that wasn't I know. Fake. I know that. That's what I know yeah. because most of the time he does stuff with the umpires, you know, that's kind of set up, but that was legit. Stuff right there with Tommy. Hey, we didn't. Hey, Ricky, we didn't even talk about the fanatic birthday party back uh, way back when we were playing the Dodgers. You hit a grand slam in the eighth inning to beat the Dodgers, and I think uh, you might have gotten under Tommy with sort of skin a little bit that day. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, that was against the late, uh, God bless his soul, Tim Tim Cruz, who got uh, All right. killed yep. in that boating accident. I remember the home run too. Yeah. I do remember that. Wait, hey, Tom, what was, before we get to the quiz, what was, uh, I know the Fanatic always imitates when, when Dan Baker does the lineups, uh, the Fanatic always imitates certain people. You know, Chooch would have, you know, I guess it would be a jockey, and you'd have uh, Ryan <laughs> Howard would stick his arm out like he's, you know, like Babe yeah, Ruth. Yeah. Right? What was Ricky yeah. Jordan's? Cool Papa, man. It was just Cool Papa. <laughs> Right. It's just, you know, the strut down the street, and uh, nobody's cooler than Ricky. Yeah. All right. Yeah, he had that little – he did that little leg walk. It was almost like a cool leg walk out. Wait, yeah. like Huggy Bear? Yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huggy Bear. Yeah, it was like Start a walk. Right. It was a walk. It was like a leg out strut yeah. walk. Yeah, it was. It actually was. <laughs> That's great. All right. All right. Well, again, we're going to go right to the quiz. Ricky, are you ready? Let's do it, JB. All right. Now, this again, this could be a repeat, but your high school had a lot of celebrities, so – you went to Grant Union High School in Sacramento, California, correct? Correct. Uh, which celebrity did not attend that high school? Okay. A is former NFL receiver Dante Stallworth. B is former NFL running back Devontae Booker. C is Match Game 76 host Gene Rayburn. And D is All-American basketball player at UCLA, Walt Torrance. So was it Dante Stallworth, Devontae Booker, Gene Rayburn, or Walt Torrance? Gene Rayburn. Gene Rayburn is correct. And... You're our age, so you you can appreciate Match Game 76 and all those wacky people on there. Sometimes I'll do this as the younger folks, and they have no idea what I'm talking about. So you are one for one. Here we go. You were born in Richmond, California, which you mentioned earlier. Which of these celebrities never lived in Richmond, California? Never lived, okay? Uh, three of them lived in, Rich- in Richmond, California. One did not, okay? A, ra- rapper Master P. Uh, B is Dale Swaim former uh, Major League Baseball player and manager. Uh, C is Peter Buck, who's guitarist for the band R.E.M. And D is Nadia Suleiman, who's Octomom. So was it Rapper Master P? Was it Dale Swaim? Was it Peter Buck? Or was it Nadia Suleiman, Octomom? <laughs> He's thinking right now, Tom. Wow. He's uh, 
Wow. I don't know uh, where he, I don't I don't know who he's eliminating in his uh in his mind right now. I know Del Swaim is from that area. I know him because okay. I know him already. I used to see him up there. He's Pinole Richmond area. I know him, so he's not him. Um what's the other? Master rapper Master P. Peter Buck, who's in uh, guitarist for REM, and the lady who is Octomom. She had octuplets. Let's go Master P. No, Octomom is oh. not from Richmond, California. Never lived in Richmond, California. All right. That's all right. Oh. Where did, wait, how did you come up with Octomom? Like, he was in the news like 20 years ago. What? I was in the news 20 years ago. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, why, how do you ask that? Why do I put soupy sales in here? Right? Uh, don't ask how my mind works. Uh, Octomon sounds, it just sounds too, too easy. Too you easy. Know? That's why. I, but Master P, oh, I thought he was a New Orleans guy or whatever. Maybe because no? he moved out there. Yeah, he might have been yeah, from there. He, he, yeah. All right. Now we're going to get a little, it should be a little easier. Your first rookie season was with the Helena Phillies in the rookie league, 1983, the year we all graduated high school. Which was not a teammate uh, on your Helena Phillies team? Which was not a teammate? Okay. Uh, a is Damon Dombeck, B is Mike Trachtenberg, C is Tom Newell, and D is Jeff Norwood. So is it Damon Dombeck, Mike Trachtenberg, Tom Newell, or Jeff Norwood? Mike Trachtenberg. And do you know who Mike, Mike Trachtenberg is? <laughs> yes. He works for ESF, works for the I company know. that, that <laughs> does fantasy camp. It was a test to see if you knew Mike Trachtenberg. No, I know. And all those three guys, the other three, I did. I remember their names. So, I I, so with whoever I put in there, you're going to get. Yeah, I remember that. I remember right. that was my first experience in pro ball. Yeah, man, you're going way back. First time away from home. I remember all those guys. Yeah, but Rick. Ricky, a lot of guys don't. I think a lot of players, when we give them that that question, they have a hard time remembering who were their first teammates yeah. on rookie ball. You know, they have a hard time with it. That was crazy though, because like I said, that was my first time away from home, and I was in Helena, Montana. You know, what I mean, come on, you know, a kid coming from Del Paso yeah. Heights going right. to Montana, and we had forty guys on that team, and I'm going, what an eye opener for me to see all these players here. And I kind of, I remember there was a bunch of them there from Texas and. Oklahoma and everywhere. So. Yeah. All right. You are uh, two for three. What year did you have 75 RBI? Do you need the, uh, do you need the multiple choice? All right. He's shaking his head. He needs it. All right. 1989, 1993, 1991, or 1990? So 89 is correct. He is three for correct. four. All right. You were drafted number 22 in the first round of the 1983 draft. Who was not drafted in the first round that year? Okay. That year, who was not in that draft? Okay. First round. In the first round. Dan Plesak, John Marzano, Temple Zone, Tim Belcher, Roger Clemens. So you have Dan Plesak, John Marzano, Tim Belcher, Roger Clemens. Johnny Marzano. Yes, because he was number 14, first round, 1984. A little bit of a trick oh. question, but you got past that. Uh, you already got this one because I said you hit your first major league home run on July 17th, 1988 versus Houston Astros. Which pitcher did you hit the home run off of? I was going to give you a Bob Force, Jim Deshays, Bob Nepper, or Mike Scott. You hit one out of the park. So you are now five for six, right? You have to get one more to qualify for your trip to Florida, of which you're already there. Uh <laughs> All right, <laughs> number seven, you played in 521 Major League games, right? You played in 521 Major League games. How many games did you play left field? 
Okay, out of the 521, he's, he's giving me a, a bitter face. You know, like the bitter beer face. He's uh, well, he should. That's a stupid question, John. But I resemble that remark. You played in 521 major league games. How many games did you play left field? Was it 25 games, four games, 19 games, or 11 games? I kind of like this question because he's, you know, that should be memorable playing left field, right? Is that a little nerve-wracking, Ricky, playing left field? Yes. <laughs> we, we, it was very nerve-wracking and scary. Take you back to Little League. You don't want it hey, to you? Nerve-wracking and scary and everything, boy. <laughs> I, oh, I, I just can remember Wrigley Field when I flipped over the mound out there in, 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 in left field, coming in on a the ball. They got that pitcher's mound on the oh, right. wow. Oh, I hit it and flipped right? over. Oh, man, it was crazy. Their whole bullpen was dying laughing at me. You know, I was pissed ready to fight their whole bullpen. <laughs> Uh, let's see. 25, 4, that, 25, 19, or 11? 25's out, 19's out. So now you got 4 or 11. You want Tom, you want to be a lifeline? I'd go 11. That's your lifeline right there if you want to use it. <laughs> He's, okay, 11. 11 is correct. It's a good use of the lifeline. <laughs> and you, you qualified for your trip to Florida. <laughs> Yeah, and the last question, okay, with a minimum of 50 plate appearances, okay, that's the, the minimum of 50 plate appearances, who had the highest OPS, right, on base uh, plus slugging percentage uh, on the 1993 team at 921? So with a minimum of 50 plate appearances, who had the highest OPS on the 1993 team at 921? Was it Kruk, Ruben Amaro Jr., Lenny Dykstra, or Darren Dalton? Kruk, Ruben Amaro Jr., Lenny Dykstra, or Darren Dalton? 921 OPS. How many play appearances, Josh? 50. 50. 50. Minimum of 50. Lenny D? Okay. You want, you can, I'll, let, I'll let you on this one. Use another lifeline if you want. Lifeline. Lifeline. Tom? Well, if you're talking only 50 at-bats, I mean, Ruben, when he came up, he lit it up. So I'll, I'd go Ruben. You want to take his lifeline? Or do you want to stay with Lenny? Minimum 50 bats. Did Ru- How many bats did Ruben get in 93? Well, that's a big question right there. So you can you can stay with your initial gut instinct, or you can go with the lifeline Tom Burgoyne. Uh, I guess I, I got to go lifeline, I guess. You are correct. You, went, you trusted Tom Burgoyne, and it worked out for you. Ruben had a 921. Now, wow. I think his plate appears was probably 52, yeah. so I had, to, I had to cut right underneath that. But Kruk had a 905, Lenny Dykes was 902, Dalton was 875. But how about that, Ruben, 921? Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Pretty impressive. That lifeline's awesome. Yes, he's, he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, well, he's also, you know what, Ricky, he is in, in Philly, and we can't see him, and we have no idea what, oh, he's, what he's operating okay, with. Okay, yeah. But, you know, but the Fanatic's best friend is a man of integrity, so there's no way he would, he would uh, try to cheat us. I am? Yes, I think so. <laughs> All off the top of my head. Yeah, he's been around the game a long time and seen a lot of Phillies baseball, so I, w- I would think he'd, he'd know quite a bit about it. Well, Ricky, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, again, we tried that the one time, and uh, thanks for coming back. And are you looking forward to Fantasy Camp? Because we have uh, it's just about to start. Tonight's really the first. Uh, we have a kind of an opening uh, night, a uh, little dinner and cocktail hour, and, and then the game start tomorrow. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm looking forward to seeing all the guys. Uh, I understand we got a bunch of rules we might have to deal with here, you know, because of the COVID yeah, stuff. So, is, but Mike Rouse did a great job as far as putting yes. in the protocols and, and making sure this is going to be a safe and fun 
uh, fantasy camp. Yeah, it should be good. Looking at all the protocols that he's got going on, so I'm, I'm excited about it and uh, looking forward to doing it. And appreciate you guys having me back on. All right, the great Ricky Jordan. How about that, Tom? Hey, thanks a lot. It's great uh, catching up, and uh, we'll see you this season, I hope. All right, Tom. Take it easy. Thanks. All right. Well, Tom, that was Ricky Jordan. Uh, it's always great. You know, I'll be down here with a lot of guys, and, uh, you know, it should be a really fun trip. You know, all those guys that we mentioned, Dave Hollins, Izzy. You know, I saw Randy this morning at breakfast and, uh, you know, Scott Ayer last night, and Tommy's down here, and uh, it's going to be fun. Kevin Stocker and, you know, on and on. It's, it's a blast. We have a lot of guys that are down here that come down every year. So it's kind of, you know, and we, haven't, we didn't have it last year. So uh, I haven't seen a lot of these guys for two years. So it's, it's, uh, it's fun, and it really becomes like one big family. Uh, it's, it's a great time. And like you said, John, I mean, it, without it last year, so, you know, you missed it last year. And that's kind of how I feel with our Phillies vacation. We do it every year, and we didn't have it uh, last year. So as you mentioned, we were in uh, Punta Cana in the Dominican, and uh, it was just so great. You know, a lot of returning uh, folks, you know, that come on the trip. Uh, and not being able to do it last year, we missed it. You know, we kind of missed hanging out with one another. And, uh, you know, uh, it was just great having everybody back. And, uh, yeah, it's our extended Phillies family, you know, our Phillies vacation group. It's, uh, you know, the fantasy campers, uh, you know, the, you know, these folks become, uh, you know, really, uh, our friends. Hey, and, Tom, did you, you know, the, were the shot sisters there? Time. Oh, the shot sisters were there. Yeah, unbelievable, John. They're, they're unbelievable. Now, to explain yeah, to the, to they, explain to the listening audience who the shot sisters are. Well, the Phillies vacations, uh, you know, started um, back in two thousand nine, which was great timing because the Phillies had just won the World Series, and here we had lined up to go on a cruise with our fans. Uh, you know, a month later or a few, a couple months later, and uh, on that first cruise, you know, when you're on a cruise, they always have kind of the drink of the day. Well, uh, the, uh, Catherine and Marie, uh, Maria, uh, they're sisters. Um, they always come to all our Phillies outings. And, you know, they decided, uh, hey, let's, let's do a shot. Our first night, you know, at dinner uh, on the cruise. And we made it a thing every night on the cruise. Well, ev- for every trip since, and they go on the trip, you know, to the, the, the ballpark trips, you know, during the season. Uh, they go everywhere on every trip, every night. We line up the shots, and, uh, and and when I say line up shots, John, we had you know seventy five fans with us on this trip. They they line up seventy five shots every mm. night on the bar, and, and they're uh, not you know, and they're not college to... age. They're not college age, correct? Uh, no, they are not. No, they've uh, they've been around for for a while. Don't get in uh, trouble. Know, the Don't sweet... get in trouble, Tom. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. But uh, they're the sweetest ladies, uh, the greatest fans. Uh, they throw legendary. Uh, tailgate parties at the Eagles games. Every Eagles game, they're out there and they have, you know, four-course meal chefs uh, and have a great time, right, in the uh, link parking lot. And, of course, they're, you know, two of the greatest Phillies fans, too. So uh, the Shot Sisters are, are the best. We love them. Great. Awesome. Well, again, this is a great show. And, uh, Tom, you know, who knows? I'll, you know, I'm going to start working on uh, some guests for our next uh, podcast. Yeah, well, having Ricky was great, and he was very nice to, you know, here we had interviewed him a, a few months ago, and, we, you know, here we are having to do it again. But a uh, great guy. We've always loved Ricky, and, uh, you know, have a great time down there, John. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Tom. You got it, pal. All right. And we'll be back uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks with uh, another episode of Backstage with Burgoyne and Brage.